And hello, welcome in. Monday edition of the show. Glad to be with you coming out of a busy sports weekend. Indiana, a huge win on Saturday night. And now we're set today for college football playoff championship game. Michael Penix, former IU quarterback in the championship game. It's, I guess you could call it an all-Big Ten matchup. Michigan of the Big Ten Conference, last I looked, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in the championship game tonight. Washington with Penix, of course, coming into the Big Ten Conference next season. And as we mentioned last week after the semifinal games, Coach Sigdetti, new IU football coach, this IU football program, regardless who wins tonight, Indiana's going to host both of these top-level programs at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington for the upcoming, or I should say, the next college football season. So I think it'll be a great game tonight. I feel like a lot of the IU fan base greatly pulling for Michael Penix and for Washington, given the connections there. I know there's some what-ifs. What if he had remained at Indiana? What could the Hoosiers have accomplished had he stayed and been healthy, uh, been able to get healthy as he has been able to do at Washington? But I wish him the best. Quite a story off the field, quite a story on the field. Uh, led Indiana to one of its best seasons really in modern history back in the shortened COVID season of 2020. And amazing to see him in a national championship game in such a prominent role as the quarterback and just a key. And he is the key. There are others, but he is the key for Washington uh, in tonight's game against Michigan if they're going to uh, be able to convert to score against this really good Michigan defense. So I'm normally not real into college football championship games, a lot of SEC representation there typically, uh, but um, I'm, I'm into this one. I'm curious who wins. I think Michigan would if I was forced to make a, a bet on the game tonight, but uh, I could see Michael Penix and Washington keeping it really close and maybe uh, finding a way to steal one and to get a victory in this big finale tonight of the college football season. One other thing I do want to point out, you know, tonight marks the end of the season, the college football season. Obviously, all the focus is on basketball between now and March Madness. And we've got a long time between now and the next college football season. But there's a lot of momentum and a lot of really interesting things happening right now with Coach Signetti and the IU football program. So the end of the season officially tonight marks the official start of the offseason. And I'm curious to see where Indiana, what type of momentum, where they can start out under SIG in the first game next year when we get into September in college football. Uh, But he is on the clock officially here in just a few short hours as he continues to try to rebuild and get things situated for his first year of serving as the head football coach of Indiana. So far, he's doing all the things that need to be done. A lot of big pickups for next season. Should be some real change in what Indiana football looks like immediately as you would expect with a new head coach who has it appears a total different style than Tom Allen the former coach but um, will be interesting to see uh, uh, for the first time in a few years an interesting offseason where I think we'll pay a lot more attention to IU football and probably talk a lot more about IU football than what we typically do also want to mention here at the start of the program New Albany and Jeff, a a fantastic game on Friday night. The Devils have a lot of talent. 
The dogs did everything they needed to do to compete and keep it close to give themselves a chance in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jeremy Rose, interesting storyline, former Bulldog, now a Red Devil after transferring in the offseason. He had a huge start to the game, really a big game all the way through for Jeffersonville, but I thought he especially helped kickstart the Red Devils at the doghouse on Friday night. So wonderful crowd, uh, just a great environment for Friday night, a fun game to have uh, and broadcast on the Big X. And glad we're into January. We're through the holidays. It's time to get into some of these big rival games and conference matchups. And before you know it, it's going to be postseason basketball. That's what hits first. It's the girls and then the boys, and then we get into the Big Ten tournament. And before you know it, the NCAA tournament is here. So two and a half, three months of basketball from this point forward, of great basketball at all levels ahead of us. This is a wonderful, wonderful time. We are smack dab in the middle of college basketball and the high school basketball seasons. Let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a moment, a look at our Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana Sports News. We've got IU basketball to go through from over the weekend from Saturday night. Malik Renu, an outstanding second half to help Indiana to a much-needed win. you got to protect the home court in Big Ten Conference play. Indiana did that. It was nip and tuck, but they actually finished fairly strong, and Malik Renu was a huge part of that second half and of that victory on Saturday, so we'll talk more about that. IU now 3-1, and one, big as they head to a game at Rutgers that, you know, any of these games are winnable, really, but Rutgers, it's been a tough place for IU to play. They're not hot right now. This would be a good time to catch the Scarlet Knights and knock them off at home, but another challenge ahead this week for Indiana in the Big Ten Conference. Also, later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will be with us. With Zach, we'll catch up on IU basketball and football. There has been some interesting football news as related to Coach Signetti's staff over the weekend that we'll talk about. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School, IHSA executive board member representing our area. He will join us as we talk the latest in high school basketball, local stuff, and more. And, of course, we'll start with the New Albany Jeff game on Friday. Chad had a chance both as a girls coach and a boys coach at Jeffersonville to participate in that rivalry. And it's always fun to talk about how important that game is to those two communities. And Jeff able to get the big regular season win. Now the what-ifs start with that game. Will they play in the 4A sectional at Seymour? Can New Albany top them if they play again? in a 4A sectional match at Seymour. And, uh, of course, will Jeffersonville, with all the talent, continue to get better and better? Uh, and will, they, will it, would it even be a, a match, if they uh, a competitive a game, if they meet again at Seymour? So all that sort of discussion will begin now that the regular season matchup uh, is behind us. Of course, Jeff did go to Brownstown on Saturday and take a loss to a really good Brownstown team that had Purdue commit Jack Benner back in the lineup, but more on that a little bit later today. Uh, that's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Why not try Honey Baked Ham today? We, they've got great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily, and they will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. 
Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Let's get into some of our headlines. First, remind you that the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Love to hear from you. Questions, comments. I use play from Saturday. Were you at the New Albany Jeff game? Uh, love to hear from you. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Send us a text, 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line. Let's get into our headlines from over the weekend. Xavier Johnson back for this Indiana basketball team, and Indiana gets the big victory at home over Ohio State. Indiana, a seven-point lead in the opening six minutes of the game against Ohio State. Uh, Indiana was looking good early. Ohio State came back, made a battle of it. Second half led by Malik Renew, 19 of his, uh, was it 23 points, I believe, came in the second half for the Hoosiers. Uh, Probably most impressively, he was 10 of 16 shooting. He played 37 minutes. And then also, good news for Indiana, Xavier Johnson in his second game back. He looked the part. He looked the six-year senior. He looked the leader for Indiana. 18 points in 34 minutes. He did not commit a single turnover. Also, another point from the Saturday game, C.J. Gunn, really good coming in as a reserve for the Hoosiers. He had 10 points, including a big three late, 24 minutes he logged in the game. Could he be a midseason breakthrough, a much-needed breakthrough for Indiana. So he's, I think, somebody to watch here over the next couple games and see what his role looks like. I would think that after the performance on Saturday, he's earned some trust and probably some minutes from Coach Woodson uh, in some of these upcoming games. Uh, But definitely C.J. Gunn, I thought, a key on Saturday night. Indiana with four turnovers, I believe, in the game. I want to check my notes here. Four turnovers. It's hard to believe after some of the major, major amounts of turnovers uh, that they have had in recent games. It has been a growing problem, a big problem for Indiana here the last few games. If they really corrected it and were really good with only four turnovers in that game on Saturday night. Uh, Other standouts, uh, I thought generally uh, Indiana's rebounding, defensive rebound specifically, was unbelievably bad. Uh, Ohio State uh, had 22 rebounds, uh, offensive rebounds in the game. Indiana had a, a total of uh, def- 20 defensive rebounds. The Ohio State scored 24 second chance points in the loss. So Indiana really fortunate with that type of discrepancy in rebounding that they were able to record a victory, uh, but a big one at home for Indiana. And uh, we'll see what happens with Rutgers ahead next for this Indiana team. Also, I mentioned New Albany and Jeff. I want to recap a little bit more of that game over the weekend. Jeremy Rose of Jeffersonville, he was the standout in that contest for the Red Devils leading the way. And uh, I don't have the box score in front of me. I've lost it here. But uh, he and Michael Cooper, I thought, were outstanding for the Red Devils. Uh, Rose gave the spark early and then was solid through the game. Michael Cooper really 
really, really good. He is someone to watch and pay attention to that maybe hasn't gotten all the promotion of some of the other players. Trey Singleton obviously has the body and the length and the size, and he's growing, uh, and he's really talented, and he's going to play, I think, a good level of college basketball. But Michael Cooper, really, really solid for the Red Devils in the win on Friday night over their rival team. A couple other thoughts on high school basketball. A uh, little surprise, Jeffersonville the next night at Brownstown. I thought uh, that they might have an opportunity there, but with Jack Benner back, uh, the Brownstown team able to go on and win by 13 points. It really was a little bit of a bigger Brownstown lead. Jeff made a, a bit of a comeback near the end of the ball game to tighten up the final score just a bit. But man, Benner, Brownstown, all the others as well, really, really good, really, really solid. Uh, amazing how good Brownstown is. Leading me into a Saturday night Providence game that I went to watch. I was really curious how Providence and Indianapolis Cathedral uh, would match up. Obviously, Cathedral really good, undefeated heading into the game. Um, I thought Providence with their defense, kind of a clash of of worlds there between styles and principles and things of that nature. But Cathedral's the real deal. Uh, as good as they are scoring the ball, they were outstanding defensively. A really good passing team as well. Caught me off guard. I had not seen them. I did not watch the Jeff Cathedral game earlier in the year. But, man, Cathedral is really good. They're not just an athletic scoring team uh, that can do some, some razzle-dazzle. They are really the real deal. It's going to be hard to see anybody beating them in route to a 4-8 championship or at least for a state championship game appearance they they are legitimate but they got past providence easily 74 40 was the final score i told a couple people before the game i really felt like providence at home had the team in the uh, different style to keep it lower scoring than that maybe keep it very respectable a 10 or 12 point game and it, it went opposite of what I thought. After the first few opening minutes of the game, Cathedral really got it together. Cathedral now 10-0 and on the season. They are the best team that I have seen on film or in person so far this season as far as Indiana high school basketball teams go. They are really good and have a great chance, I think would be my clear front runner to win a 4A state championship at this point. Also jumping around a bit, but the IU women were successful over the weekend. A 91-69 win at Nebraska. The IU women have now won 12 games in a row. Uh, very good Nebraska team in women's basketball, but Indiana was solid from start to finish. A lot of players contributed in the victory yesterday, and again, that uh, just has me excited for what an IU-Iowa matchup looks like. Sydney Parrish uh, back with a, or I shouldn't say back, but had a really good game after maybe not some better of her games in her career. Uh, she had a really good game on uh, Sunday, but really looking forward to Indiana and Iowa, a game already sold out for Assembly Hall here when it happens. Uh, also, Trace Jackson Davis over the weekend, been a lot of fun to keep up with him and the Golden State Warriors. 16 points, 11 rebounds, 8 of 9 from the field, 27 minutes for the Warriors. Is he working his way anywhere close to the rookie of the year conversation? I don't think so, at least at this point, but 
he is a very notable name in the rookie class, the young uh, future of in, of the NBA. That is really, uh, I guess, a little bit unexpected. Um, I thought he would probably find a role and and stay with an NBA team this season. It wouldn't have surprised me if he had seen some up and down between uh, the G League, which he did early in his uh, start in his career in this season. But he really has settled in for the Warriors and with Dramond Green out, has found a real role and has taken advantage of that, putting up some really, really efficient stat lines uh, for the Warriors. One other thing I wanted to mention, just kind of an oddity over the season. Michigan and Penn State played at the Palestra in in Philadelphia on uh, Sunday, and that obviously is a great place for basketball, a place on my bucket list I've never been, but just some strange things um, happened in that game or before that game. Jawan Howard, obviously, with a big surgery. Uh, he had come back officially as the head coach, Phil Mar. Martelli had been the acting head coach, the interim head coach while he was recovering. That even included while Jawan Howard was on the bench in, I guess you would call it an assistant role to coach Martelli, the interim coach. Since then, coach Howard has come back as the head coach. Uh, But yesterday he asked Phil Martelli to serve as Michigan's head coach. So Uh, Maybe there's been some struggles in his recovery. Who knows his personal situation? But just weird to go back to Coach Martelli as the interim coach. Um, Just different yesterday. And uh, Michigan lost the game 79-73. Of course, there was the -the off-the-court stuff with Coach Howard and I think the strength and conditioning coach. But uh, definitely some bizarre things right now with Jawan Howard and Michigan. And they are sure not having – I don't think they were expected to be at the top of the Big Ten Conference – but at 6-10 and 10 on the season, they are definitely not having the season that I thought that they would. So kind of an odd deal there and curious what's going on behind the scenes. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, the latest on IU basketball. We'll get into some IU football stuff that I did not cover in this segment as well. A couple new positions have been created for the IU football program. Coach Signetti bringing in some pretty good names in college football to fill those positions. We'll get into that next with Zach here on the Hoosier Report. Stay with us. Our Monday show is back after this. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for. All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday edition of the show, Zach. And I think I'm back with you here. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star going to join us here in just a moment. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Love to get your questions, comments from the IU men's game on Saturday. Of course, the women, a big win, as we discussed in segment one out at Nebraska on Sunday. And lots of high school basketball 
to break down coming out of the weekend as well. Zach, welcome in. Uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, Happy New Year. This is your first appearance here in 2024. A big win for Indiana to come back home, get a much-needed win after the Nebraska loss. And I thought Malik Renew fantastic in the second half and probably as important as anything is seeing Xavier Johnson have a big game, very few turnovers, maybe no turnovers, I think, in his stat line as in his second game back for the Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean, I thought maybe what was most broad-brush important for Indiana, at least from, from my seat, was that there was nothing really remarkable about the game. I mean, obviously, Xavier Johnson plays well. Malik Renew plays really well. CJ Gunn, some really valuable minutes and some big shots off the bench. But if you're kind of talking about, like, the broad strokes of the game, if, if anything, you know, Ohio State rebounds more than 52% of its misses. Um, I think that led to the 22 offensive rebounds led, I think, the 24 second-chance points. You know, if, if if you just kind of gave somebody that stat and no other stat, um, they'd probably say, well, it, you know, I'm guessing Ohio State won the game. And, and my point in this is everything Indiana did to win the game, I think, is, is pretty repeatable. You know, they, they weren't – they didn't shoot lights out from three. They didn't shoot 30 free throws, uh, as we as discussed. They didn't – you know, they, they kind of got run around on the boards, although they were much better in the paint than Ohio State was offensively. But I thought you just saw a team that stayed together, played with a sense of urgency, um, played tough. Obviously, they they fell down by nine kind of early there, early second half there. And, I mean, it it kind of goes uh, under the radar that Ohio State only scored 19 points in the last 17-33 of the game. I think there were some lineup choices that Mike Woodson made that really contributed to that that he probably, I think, should should put a pin in and stick with. But, you know, just in general – it was the sort of game that when we're, we're looking at this Indiana team still trying to put itself together in some, some very basic ways, it was the sort of game that, frankly, this should be repeatable for the Hoosiers. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, joining us. We're starting with IU basketball today. Uh, Indiana 3-1 and one in Big Ten Conference play after the win on Saturday. I know there's been a lot of criticism of this team, even of the coaching staff at times. That's just how things go in college sports today. But I tell you what, with the wacky Big Ten so far this season, both non-conference results and so far with the regular season here since we've been back into the new year, uh, or been into the new year, I should say, a 3-1 and one record, it's not always been pretty. There have been some questionable moments. Uh, the rebounding stat you point out from Saturday's game is really remarkable that Indiana able to overcome that and win in a narrow game at home but you can't take away the fact Indiana is three and one heading into a game with Rutgers which appears to be maybe a winnable game or a toss-up game on the road yeah I mean it's listen there's kind of two I think parallel discussions to have uh, around there's sort of like what Indiana can potentially do in the conference and then what the conference could potentially do you know for Indiana from an NCAA tournament perspective I, I do think you know, broadly speaking, if you look at, like, I'm looking at the Ken Palm projections while we're talking here, Ken Palm has three teams that are projected to win more than 11 conference games. That's Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin. Um, obviously, for reasons we don't have to discuss, Illinois is kind of its own discussion, its own conversation at the moment with everything going on off the floor there. But the point is, you, you've got two or three teams at the top that I think are going to be able to feast on what, at least right now, looks like a fairly weak middle of the conference. Um, but then you've got, 
I, I do think just by the law of averages and the fact that like somebody's got to win these games, I think there's a window for one or two teams that we maybe didn't expect to be quite as good. Um, or we had more questions about at least to kind of, to kind of jump up and, and make some noise. It's worth saying, you know, Indiana's got three big 10 wins. Uh, two of those wins are against two of the bottom three teams in the conference in Michigan and Maryland, but you can only beat what's in front of you. I, I'm, I'm very curious about these next two games for Indiana. They've got Rutgers on the road. Rutgers is, is starved for a win. They have not beaten a Big Ten team yet this season, and Rutgers obviously has been a really difficult place um, for Indiana to go in recent in, in recent years. Um, Jersey, Jersey Mike's uh, arena or whatever we're calling it now, <laughs> I'll always call it the rack, seems to delight in, in really torturing Indiana in particular. And Rutgers has really struggled since Christmas. They lost just before Christmas to Mississippi State. I think that game was at the Garden. Um, they they very narrowly beat Stonehill, which is a, a team that's 2-15 and 15 and still in Division One transition status. They lost at Ohio State, and then they lost at Iowa. So they're going to be geared up for this game Tuesday night. And then you got a Minnesota team that's probably of a similar mind to Indiana. You know, they, they, they're three and one in the conference. Their three wins are Nebraska at home and then Michigan away and Maryland at home. So not a ton of noise, but the flip side is they're 12 and three. They are three and one in the conference and they will probably feel justifiably like they've made a little bit more noise than they were expected to. You know, I can see a world where Indiana wins both these games this week. I can see a world where Indiana loses both these games this week. And it just sort of feels like the sort of week, I don't want to call them must-wins or anything, but if this team is genuinely turning a corner from that Ohio State game, and I, I do think that game was quietly really impressive, um, this is the kind of week where Indiana sort of grabs a hold of its, you know, the, the, the direction of its season and, and kind of, you know, makes its own destiny a little bit. You find a way to win these two games. Because then after that, you've got Purdue at home and then Wisconsin and Illinois on the road. So you got a really tough stretch. If you can set yourself up for that stretch at five and one, and then maybe grab one of those games, suddenly you're six and three heading into the last game of January. But if you if you split these two games, you know, then you've got three really difficult ones, and you're probably in a situation where if you want to stay kind of above the line a little bit, you're going to have to win at least two of those. Um, and it's just about you know we talked about this with Indiana last year. It's about winning the games that are winnable, so that the, the games that look tougher on paper, like a Purdue at home or a Wisconsin away, are much more sort of that they are. I don't say luxuries, but they're opportunities rather than necessities. If you if you beat a Rutgers away, if you beat a Minnesota at home, maybe those games don't do a lot from you from an NCAA tournament point of view, but they certainly don't, you know, put you in a position where you cannot afford to lose to Purdue at home or you cannot afford to to drop both of Wisconsin and Illinois on the road. It, it, it just gives you, again, it, it makes things more opportunity than necessity. And I think that's what maybe is kind of in Indiana's hands. If, and this is a, you know, a semi-substantial if, let's see, if the Ohio State performance wasn't just a one-off and is something that, that can genuinely be repeated. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, talking IU basketball. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Xavier Johnson, a really good performance, no turnovers, uh, really good for Indiana. Uh, he said after the game, uh, that, he, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he needed to grow up. 
and that in that game Saturday night he grew up. I think that that's something that is probably music to Indiana fans' ears. Xavier Johnson needs to be healthy. It appears he is back and healthy, and he needs to lead this team both on and off the floor for this season to go the way that I think uh, fans hope it does. And maybe Saturday was the beginning of Xavier Johnson and his big push here to the finish. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think first of all, it's just always a good message when your sixth-year captain point guard is is saying that. And, you know, it's. You know, I mean, there's the, uh, I guess we're all lifelong learners to some extent. Um, you know, the, the, that can be part of the attitude you take. But it's just always good when, when one of your captains, one of your leaders, obviously your point guard is kind of delivering that message. And he's delivering it after a, you know, a rebound performance. And Mike Woodson kind of said, hey, you know, some of what happened with X was on me because I didn't, you know, I didn't really give him a lot of practice time because I didn't want to overdo it with him. But that meant that he wasn't really, you know, sharp. He was kind of rusty for Nebraska and then, you know, wasn't playing well. So I was just going to kind of pull him out of the fire. I, I mean, there's a lot to like about Xavier Johnson's performance. Both those threes he hit were really important. I think that when we talk about three-point shooting, we really do forget sometimes that Xavier Johnson in his Indiana career is about a 38 and a half, 39% three-point shooter. And that's not on a small number of attempts. Like that's even given the fact that he only played 11 games last year, he's only played eight this year. Um, you know, you're still talking about a guy that's well over a hundred attempts in an Indiana uniform. I always think with Xavier Johnson, when he's getting to the free throw line, I know he was able to kind of joke about that, that air ball after the game, but when he's getting to the free throw line and he shot 11 free throws on Saturday in a game where, you know, Xavier Johnson shot 11 free throws. The two teams combined for 25. So he shot almost half the free throws, you know, Saturday night, both teams. That to me is always reflective of him at his best, you know, offensively, because that's, that shows he's not just playing with maybe aggression, but it's controlled. It's not reckless. It's not maybe forcing things, but instead it's, it's him putting himself into in positions to really kind of back foot defenders, get around them, you know, put defenders in situations where it's kind of either layup or foul. Um, it just always feels like when Xavier Johnson plays well, either either he's shot, you know, he's just shot the lights out of the ball or he's shot a lot of free throws, which means that he's gotten into positions where, you know, defenders just felt like they had to foul him. And so I think that it was it was encouraging, obviously, to see the performance and then obviously what he said after the game as well. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Uh, we've discussed it. Big week ahead for the Hoosiers. Um, wacky Big Ten conference so far this year. I mentioned that uh, in the last segment, Jawan Howard did not coach. He handed the reins back over to Coach Martelli, who had been the interim coach. And there's just maybe that was planned. It was a game in Philadelphia where Coach Martelli's a legend. Uh, but I thought that was an interesting Big Ten tidbit from over the weekend. And then just some really interesting scores. Uh, I know Illinois for reasons I think we all know at this point uh, likely not going to have the season that we thought they would have although they did make a run at Purdue late on Friday night but just kind of maybe some thoughts on the Big Ten through the first full weekend of the new year uh, it's kind of a, a conference that I thought maybe we had a read on uh, a few weeks before Christmas but here in the new year it's I think a lot of things back up in the air again yeah I mean it, it is <laughs> it, it is tricky like you, you looked at a Michigan State and you thought okay they've you know, they, they, they beat Baylor. Um, they've kind of put some things together. They beat a, an Indiana State team that, that isn't, you know, is pretty good. And, um, 
you know, look at the way they thumped Penn State, and then they just go to, you know, they, they go to Northwestern, and they're, they're never really in the game. Obviously, um, Northwestern's a bit of a puzzle. You know, I think we all are still trying to figure out if, if last year was real, how much of it is is translatable. They beat Michigan State, but that's on the heels of losing by 30 away at Illinois. And again, it's, it's a separate sort of thing, but that's Illinois without Terrence Shannon. Um, you know, you do feel like it, 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 at least Purdue and Wisconsin, you know, feel a cut above everybody else at this point. Um, Illinois might stay there. I mean, even without Shannon, you've got Marcus Damask, you've got Quincy Gary, you've got Ty Rogers, Luke Good, Coleman Hawkins. Like, there's still a lot of talent on that team. And Brad Underwood, I think, at, at this point, you know, just kind of deserves a measure of, of benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's, this is, you know, he's, he's vying for his fifth straight winning record in Big Ten play. Um, but beyond that, it, it really does kind of feel like you, you wonder if there's going to be one or two teams. And I think the, the, the reason you're allowed to mention Indiana in this conversation, even though, right, you know, they're three and one in the conference, Ken Palm projects them to finish eight and 12. The reason you're allowed to mention them in this conversation is, I think, number one, they are three and one. And number two, well, I don't think Indiana is by any means a perfect team. You understand what Indiana's got. You understand, you know, what Xavier Johnson is, what Malik Renew is as a player, the impact Kalel Ware can have. You know, McKenzie and Baco, I think his, his minutes can fluctuate based on sort of Mike Woodson's uh, appreciation of his defensive performance. But, you know, he can shoot the ball well. You know, he can score the ball well. You know, his three-point uh, percentage is up about 31% now, you know, considering he was like, I think, one of 13 to start the year. That's pretty good. Um, it's a team that I guess my point is, is is still struggling at times to put all the pieces together, but you can see what those pieces are, if that makes sense, in a way that I think sometimes it's it's hard to see with a Penn State, with a with a Northwestern, uh, certainly with like a Maryland, even to some extent a Michigan State, which is a bit of a surprise. Michigan State is is such an experienced team. Um, you know, they're top 100 in Division One experience according to Kim Pomeroy. They're 27th in minutes continuity. Um, you know, if there is a team that can maybe sort of rise up outside the top three, top four, and just kind of feast on the fact that the league is not great this year, Indiana's at least put itself in the position to be that team. Now, will they do that? I, I'm not necessarily prepared to make that call. But they've at least put themselves in that position, and I don't think it's unfair to, to say that, and I don't think it's unfair, especially, again, when you look at this week to say this is the kind of week that if they're going to be that team, if they're going to be the team that, that just sort of, you know, punches a, a, a above their weight for a while and makes a little more noise than we expected. This is the kind of week where, you know, they, they show it not necessarily by beating great teams, but by being, uh, but by beating, you know, teams that they, they can and maybe should be. Zach Osterman, a couple quick football things. We're up against a break here in just a moment, but Coach Signetti uh, announced over the weekend, or at least the rumor, the word is out, I should say, that he is going to add some new positions to the IU football program. One of those is a general manager type position. Uh, what do you know about that? And is that just kind of where college football is headed with some of these key off the field, non coaching positions? Yeah, I mean, it. it... I guess the, the question I have, and this is maybe more philosophical, admittedly, is um, I think Jim Harbaugh said something interesting. You know, he Har, Harbaugh's never been shy about the the side of things that is, you know, 
players need to get more, players should fight for more, players deserve more. He even said something over the weekend, I think, whenever the, the college football playoff media day was that, like, maybe it's time for everybody. And he said, like, including me and my head, you know, other head coaches to take it to, to start getting paid a little less so that more of that money goes back to players. And I think, you know, we have seen such a, a push in the last 10 to 15 years, such a, a, a large gap of, um, you know, racing. To, we've, we've added assistance, in countable assistance in multiple sports. We've added, you know, all these sort of different quality control things and recruiting things and, you know, different positions. Um, is that the stuff that's going to the, – when, when it's time to redraw the budget because you've got to figure out how to pay your athletes through revenue sharing or whatever it is, feels like that might be the stuff that kind of, you know, comes up first in the meeting, if you understand what I'm saying. And so it's kind of hard to know exactly what those positions are, but I still understand anybody who's going to take advantage of them. And I still understand anybody who, you know, especially I think more and more, and, and I don't know if this is a, a, a crossover or whatever, and I know I've got to get off in a second, more and more it feels like teams are also trying to find specialized positions for portal recruitment. And, and whether it's you call them a GM or you call them an assistant AD in charge of, you know, transfers or whatever. And then we're probably about to bring NIL even more sort of in-house, so to speak, um, than it already is. I mean, you're going to need people to manage this stuff. And so it's, I, I don't know, man, if I could, un, if I could unpack all these layers, I'd make so much more money than I do. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it is just kind of fascinating to see like how it shifts because for a while it seemed like we had the formula, right? This was what Alabama did. This is what Ohio state did. Everybody should do that. But now the formula is changing so fast, not just with NIL or revenue sharing or whatever, but, but everything that is affected by it and everything that grows around it. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. He's with us Mondays as we talk all things IU. Zach, thank you. We'll talk with you next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member as well, as we talk to Albany Jeff and some other local headlines as well. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Meet. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday program. One note I did want to pass along. A lot of people asking about Derek Queen. Is this going to be the week or the weekend when he makes a commitment? And according to Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com, uh, it looks like Queen is now bumping his college decision back to sometime in February. A lot of people thought, and I think maybe there had been statements put out, that this weekend in Springfield, Massachusetts, at the, Hall, the uh, Hoops Hall Classic there, 
uh, that uh, that might be the date where on television Queen made his announcement between his final four of Indiana, Maryland, Houston, and Kansas. But uh, it sounds like that's going to be bumped back. So the Derek Queen saga, the sweepstakes for what would be a humongous addition in the class of 2024 is going to be bumped back, it appears. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board member. He's with us Mondays. And because of holidays and sickness and other things, it's been a while since Chad and I were able to connect for this segment. So, Chad, Happy New Year. Great to have you with us. A lot to talk about here in our few minutes together. Man, it's great to hear from you. It's been a great holidays. We have battled up this sickness. We've battled some schedule conflicts, but it's great to hear your voice and be back in touch. New Albany Jeff on Friday night, Chad. We've already, I've just today discussed the results and went through some things from the game, but um, you had a unique position for years being part of that game as the girls coach and then the boys coach, and you had a lot of success against New Albany in your time at Jeffersonville. Uh, As I was setting up radio equipment Friday night, catching up with old friends, watching bits and pieces of the JV game, and then in the middle of the broadcast, you know, coaches change. Uh, things happen in the area. People come and go from programs, but that rivalry is special. And I'm fortunate, I know you have as well over the years, to be involved in different ways and a lot of big things, big events, big rivals. But, Chad, that one takes the cake. That That is, they're just something different something special about that crowd and the new Albany doghouse wasn't a full sellout, but it was a really, really special environment Friday night. And I'm so thrilled as we enter 2024 to know that high school basketball and these big matchups here in Southern Indiana, they still really matter to the families and the communities. Matt, you hit the nail on the head on the Jeff New Albany game. That's a different creature, especially the one in January. Uh, I talked to Coach Lynch, who's coached in it, played in it. Coach Warren, who's been involved with it up here. Uh, like you said, I've been involved with it several different ways. And anyone who's listening or anyone who's turning in who hasn't been able to attend that game or be part of it, somebody, you got to go because it is something. You know, it's like the Trinity St. X football game in the fall. It's just a different creature. And, Matt, the, one that, the regular season game in January is – Always, I don't care how you put it, it's always more intense than what the sectional game is. Why is it, you know, Matt and I have talked about that, Coach Mitch and I have talked about that over and over again. We both agree. I think a lot of things go into play with that one. You don't have to, fans don't have to drive 45 minutes to see that game played. They either drive in their backyard to New Albany or across the street to Jeff or vice versa. The other thing is, is kids back to school, they're excited to be involved with it. You know, you come to that point. It's tournament time, but the real excitement, you know, in that tournament, when people advance, they win their sectional, and then that's when that excitement really starts to amp up a little bit. So to be involved in that in a regular season game, it's something special for coaches, players, kids, media, everyone involved with it. We approached that at Jeff. Is I knew how big of a game it was. However, I tried to downplay that. You know, I'd always laugh with the kids. I'd say, I'm from, I'm from Charlestown, Charlestown, New Washington. That's a rivalry. We're not worried about Jeff and New Albany. I tried to play it down, play it as much as I could just to take that edge off. But when you get out there, you can guarantee you're getting both teams' best shot. And it's something that's very special. I feel very fortunate to be able to be a part of that. And I hope all the kids, the coaches, even the referees. I think, Matt, do they still have uh, Gary Hamilton and his crew referee both games at 
the same crew refs at Jeff that refs at New Albany, and they flip flop back and forth. Does that still go on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary Hamilton there. I think the crew has changed a little bit, but it's still the core. Uh, of course, I think, Gary, I know you think the same. Uh, a lot of basketball people listening probably recognize him or have seen him, spoke with him, but don't know it. I think he's one of the best in the state, and he uh, loves to take control of those rivalry games early, loves to be part of the big environments, and has kind of become a big part of that game. Oh, absolutely, and and that is a big part of it because then you you don't think, well, we're going to Jeff, we're going to get a bad whistle tonight. We're going to do all of it. We're going to get a bad whistle. You get the same whistle every year, year in, year out. And it's just something that I hope the people that play in it, that they realize how important it was and how lucky they are to play in such a rivalry because it, it is a big deal, man. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guess. Chad, a big weekend of high school basketball now that we're through the holidays. Was really interested to see uh, Benner come back for Brownstown, knowing that Jeff had to turn around after a big emotional rivalry, rivalry win on Friday and go to Brownstown. Benner came back Friday. Uh, Jennings County beats Brownstown on Friday. Brownstown beats Jeffersonville on Saturday. I was able to watch bits and pieces of that game as I was at the Providence game on Saturday. Brownstown is really solid, really good, and uh, I don't see any which way they don't get to Indianapolis here in a few months. The biggest you hit the two uh, teams that are going to be to make it make that run from the south. Brownstown is going to have to get past Providence. Providence, if you watch Providence, take Cathedral out. You can see him against Southwestern and stuff. Ryan Miller is an excellent coach. He's going to play Brownstown and work a minute, minute and a half off every possession. He's going to be ready for Brownstown's half-court trap, and he's going to guard the heck out of you. He's uh, That's going to be a great a great matchup, and that's turned into a rivalry. I went to that game early, the first game of the season, Matt, and I think it ended up being a 13-point game. It was closer to 30 than it was 13, but it was one of those deals that uh, it's, it's hard to play at Brownstown. You know, I can remember us going there. We had two D1s in Charlestown, and they beat us by 20 my senior year. Uh, I, I was able to watch that game on Saturday night, and I was able to watch uh, Providence and Cathedral as well. And uh, Jeff did not get a bad whistle at there. They just ran across a good team who, like you said, is going ha- to going to be a formidable opponent in the, st- in the state tournament. Fast forward in that to Providence, man, Cathedral is really, really good, Matt. They are really, really, really good. Just a, another level than what Providence has. But I look, you know, I look for Providence to bounce back. Be ready to play this weekend uh, against Jeffersonville. Providence, you know, again, an outstanding team. Noah Lovin is, you know, of course, I'm biased to Noah because I just, you know, that's like my, my son too. I like watching him play. I like the way he carries himself on the court. But Providence has other good players too. They're, they are a very well-rounded team that each player knows their role. And they're going to be a tough out. You know, I, I know Coach Benner is dreading that game. Uh, as much as Coach Miller's ready to play Brownstown. That'll be an excellent game in the state tournament. Both teams, yeah. outstanding teams, and excellent programs. Chad, one other quick result I want to get in from over the weekend. Providence, who uh, we are just talking about, they lost Indianapolis Cathedral. And I, I just had to go to that game because it was almost like a clash of different worlds, different styles, different priorities in basketball. And I thought Providence would be able to battle a little bit more. I don't think they played their best game by any stretch of the imagination. But, man, Cathedral's really good. They're not just high flyers that can score at Uh They pass the ball well. They play great defense. 
they are going to be an extremely tough out. I I would have to peg them like Brownstown, a favorite in their respective class, to get to and potentially win a state championship. Matt, are they in that that tough section, that sectional ten up there? Are they in that with Lawrence North, Lawrence Central? Yes, their their sectional is extremely tough. So, oh, that's going to be a tough one to get out. Now, speaking of that, real quick before we move on, I know we only got a minute or so. We were playing. We were able to play Seymour. Wow, you want to talk about a formidable opponent? There's no one in that sectional that wants to play Seymour on their home court come sectional time. You look at Seymour. Jennings County. There's one laying in the weeds down there, Bedford North Lawrence. You know, they've got a Division One coach. He was the head coach of the Butler women's basketball. I, I, I got to coach against Kurt on the women's side. Excellent job. That sectional in, in Seymour is going to be outstanding, Matt. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays. Chad, thanks for the chat today. We'll talk with you next week. Matt, great catching up. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap up this Monday show. Back with you Tuesday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.